yeah. We, uh, thank you, Paul, and thank you, Leslie. Um, yeah, it's one of those carabinas ring clips that, um, and there's a little more to it, but I was, <clears throat> the day before that, I actually was looking at a, uh, you know, like a regular chain hook, and it's a chain around a gate, I was meant to put that chain, the actual length, the, you know, like a, a chain hook, okay. I will tell you that wouldn't have broken. Um, but it was a, yeah, I was on my phone and imagine that. And it's a white Dodge pickup and it's got a brake on it and I put it on every single time. But that time I must have missed it by the shop, Powder River Gate. And I'm on the phone opening the thing and that truck rolled into me. Just about blacked out. And that carabiner just blew open. I must have went 15 feet. God wasn't done. Left me yet. So I hang that on the board <laughs> to remind me he wasn't finished yet. So, at any rate, um, let's take our Bibles and turn to to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 15. I'm sorry, you will not find, well, that's not where we want to go. We want to go to Mark chapter 13. Something else was in my mind. Mark chapter 13, and we'll read, I'm going to read the passage that we read last week, and then go on to verse 23. Mark chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. As he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Jesus answering them said to, began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. When you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be earth I'm sorry, there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to the councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand that you shall speak, neither do you premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brothers shall betray the brother to death. And the father, the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it, not, where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the top of the hill that is on the housetop, not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garments. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. 
and pray that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then, if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is here, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect." But take you heed, behold, I have foretold you all these things. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer as we begin our study. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love, for your care, for all that you do, the unknown, the things that we can't possibly even understand, how you protect us, how you guide us, how you lead us. Father, we especially thank you for the word we have before us at these moments. We also know that you desire for us to be just a little bit more like Jesus Christ. As we study the Word, as the Word who is Christ, literally that eternal Word, may, Father, you change us through the power of the Holy Spirit, using Him to direct who we become. May we be yielded to the Spirit as we're asking even in these moments, Father, that you would guide and direct us, that our teaching would exclusively be through the Spirit. And now, Father, take us where you want us to be. We're excited to know that we're in the Word. We're in this place together, unified in the Word. Well, thank you for what you're going to do in anticipation. Again, trusting in you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, Mark chapter 13, uh, we we took a, last week we had a couple of our our missionary uh, friends here with us, uh, um, Transworld Radio. Uh, and that one of my, one of my favorites, really honestly, where radio waves can go where no man or woman can go. I mean, literally, they can break through walls that can't be broken through. It's amazing, quite honestly. It's always been one of my favorites. Is is translated gospel into an uh, into a language that you can go right over the top, dropped into a radio, and people that are surrounded by Muslims that couldn't possibly even have been out in public visiting testimony. They couldn't do any of that breaks through all of those barriers. And then we also, David White was with us, and uh, those always enjoyable to have David and, uh, and his wife here with us. At any rate, uh, we took just a little bit of a, of a gap. I don't know. It was uh, a, a session that we were in John chapter 21. Uh, you know, there's a few remnants left. Uh, we talked about love. We threw it on the board. And if you say you love God, there's only one way to really measure that. Do you obey him? If you're not obeying God, you probably don't love him. No, you don't love him. I'd <laughs> be even more... more Direct, because that's what Jesus says. He who loves me will keep his will keep my commandments. It's that simple. Uh, it's not. It's it's hard, but it's that simple. At any rate, uh, let's come back to Mark. We know that we're in the last week of Jesus's life physically. It's Passion Week. On Monday of that week, he had been crowned king. He had set it all up himself. He told the disciples to go into a neighboring village, Bethphage would have been. He was staying in Bethany with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who had been risen from the dead two weeks before. Just think of that for a moment. One of your best friends, you rose, he rose from the dead. Whoa. <laughs> that brought a stir, and that's why I believe that on Sunday of that week, literally the Jerusalem crowd came out to see who this one was that literally raised, Jesus, raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Tuesday, we find that after being crowned king, he goes in to take care of business in the big town of Jerusalem, and he's no doubt going to wipe out the Romans. No, that's not what happened. 
He went into the temple. He went into the place that was God's that had not been God's for a very long time. And he cleaned house, literally cleaned house. 35 acres of country, if you do the math on the, the Herod's temple and all of the square footage, you'd find that it's encompassed by 35 acres. <laughs> it's a big place. It's a big place. Um, and then Jesus did what, was, what needed to be done for so long. It was the second time of cleansing the temple for those, you remember in John chapter 2, I believe, or John, yeah, John chapter 2, that a big, in his inauguration of his ministry, in other words, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and he starts his ministry, one of the very first things he did was went to Jerusalem and cleansed the temple. Again, taking back what was God's. This is really, it just hit me right now, this is really what we talk about, we're talking about the end times, that... The tribulation period marks the very end of what really is, if you think of the seven seals, I'm way out of context right now, but, but just stay with me for a moment. We'll review it. Um, how many seals are there if you go through the book of Revelation? There are seven seals. If you were in that day and age and you were getting a will or a testament that would give inheritance, it was usually seven seals. Each one of those seals was broken and it was be com a complete intent to read the will. The seven seals really is giving the earth back to the rightful ruler and reigner is Jesus Christ. Every one of those seven seals is giving, the is giving what's back to Christ who made it. It really is, that's what the seven seals are about. But we'll come back to that in a moment. So we're back to Passion Week for a moment. A little bit of a parenthesis there, see if you were all awake. Um, <laughs> at any rate, um, so here we are on Tuesday, cleans the temple. Most important thing that happened was the fact he took it back for, for God. On Wednesday, there's a whole lot of things that take place. Oh, it's a busy day. We haven't even broken out of Wednesday. We've been here for how many weeks now? Woof, we're still on Wednesday. But we finally come to Wednesday evening, Wednesday p.m. He's leaving the temple, and the disciples just said, wow, what an absolute gorgeous place. I mean, this is unbelievable. And they've been working on it for about 50 years, plus or minus, at this point. This temple is not just a throw-together uh, Lego kit. This is a really big time deal. And they say, this is amazing. It's beautiful. All of these huge rocks and all of this. And Jesus said, you know what? He said, there's going to come a day when there's not going to be one rock on top of another. This place will be completely demolished. And you know, it would just have shocked them. And they couldn't even, they didn't even respond. So they walk across the Kidron Valley. They're on the Mount of Olives and they sit down. And the disciples then at that point, four of them, who are they? And Andrew, he's kind of the one, normally the inner circle is Peter, James, and John. You just, it almost rolls off your tongue. Here's Andrew, two sets of brothers. Uh, Jesus, could you explain to us, we want to know what you were really talking about. When is that going to happen to the temple? And what's the sign of your coming? And they see his coming as being, I, I'm sure they thought within weeks. I mean, it, maybe days. They, they didn't see, and he's been telling them, what, what has he been telling them? The thing that you're really having trouble getting? He's going to die. He's going to be killed but he's going to be buried, and he's going to be resurrected, which is fantastic news. I don't think they even got it. It's just like, woof, a blur. They're not ready to receive it. When's your sign of your coming? When's the kingdom coming? We want to be on the kingdom, right? You were crowned on Monday as being king. Isn't that what we're all about? Aren't we going to go get about the kingdom business? Aren't we, the Israelites, going to finally get it? We're going to be in charge, and this is it. God wins. Every generation kind of has that, doesn't it? I'm ready for Jesus to come back. I'm ready to, actually, I, I would rather he didn't come back before he takes us. That's what the rapture is about. Uh, the sign of his coming that we're going to be talking about has nothing to do with the rapture. 
Let's make that clear right now. This is his second coming, the time frame between his first coming of which the disciples are literally receiving this message from him, this unfolding of futuristic events, prophetically speaking about when he would come back the second time. I don't want to be here just before he comes back the second time. And neither do you. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and speak for you. Because there's, there's events that will unfold, some of them. It, I can't do it in its entirety, obviously, but there will be a lot of, you know, I'm hopefully direct you back to the Word, get into the Word yourself. But there's a whole lot of things that you don't want to be part of prior to His second coming. You do want to be enforced, engaged in trusting Him right now, this very second. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do that right now. Prepare for the future. But there will be many, many, many that aren't and don't, or don't and aren't ready. Uh, this is about the second coming. Jesus' last teaching is such sitting on the side of that mountain, that Mount, the Mount of Olives, is describing to the disciples what literally would be coming. Now, they thought it would be within days or weeks. Well, we're 2,000 years in. <laughs> now, there have been replica. I, I don't even know to use the word replica, but there's events that have been talked about as being uh, substitutes is the word I'm going to use for these events that are displayed. When, when Rome destroyed <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, which was 40 years after this event, there's many that saw there's a group called the Preterists. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. They believe that that was really the coming of this, and we are now currently in the kingdom age. In other words, things are getting better and better and better. I don't know what story or where you're reading your info. If you think it's getting better and better right now, you are not attached to reality. You couldn't possibly be here thinking and reading and seeing what we're seeing, right? No, that's what's happening to the world. We're getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and we will continue to be worse and worse and worse until literally the earth is given back to. The will and testament is read through those seven seals of Jesus Christ receiving back everything that was his. There will be a cleansing, there will be a renewal, and it becomes good then. Now, scientifically, technologically, we could talk about a lot of things that the world is improving, maybe. But we're advancing, I'd say that. But morally and spiritually, we're bankrupt and getting worse. I mean, if you can think of what is worse than bankruptcy, we're there, morally and spiritually. We really are. It, and, and we'll continue. I cannot see, if, if you read this and you read what he said, and from that day that Jesus said these things until the end, which we have not seen yet, it's getting closer. Today is closer than yesterday. That's as far as I'll go. But when we get to the end, it will be as, it will be as horrible spiritually as you can even possibly imagine. And it's pretty bad today. I can't believe how we slipped in the last two or three years. Think of when you grew up, and I don't care even how old you are. It has definitely declined spiritually and morally. That is, that is what's going to continue to happen. But Jesus is speaking now to his disciples again that evening, and he's talking about things that they want to know. How quick is the kingdom coming? Well, it's a long ways off, partners. But when it unfolds, when the signs of the end come, that generation will live to see its fulfillment. There's another passage about that. But let's now, let's go back to uh, Mark chapter 13, and let's review some of the things we said uh, a couple of weeks ago. The one thing I'd like to uh, 
um, we'll probably write a few things on the board today. But one thing that seems to be that Jesus is likening the time frame to is birth pangs or birth pains. Now, what do we know about that? And aren't you glad? And aren't you glad? <laughs> probably excruciating pain that probably there isn't anything else quite like it. And by the way, Ernie, I don't either. <laughs> now, there are some really weird people out there that said men can actually have a baby. Now, that person is not in reality either. I think we're back to the phase in Romans chapter 1, which really where we are in America, maybe the world in particular, is that when we worship the creature rather than the creator, then that creator God gives them over to a reprobate mind. There's a lot of reprobate minds in the United States of America. A reprobate mind is not able to think clearly, realistically, or logically. That is not logical. That's where we're at. There's a lot of illogical. Common sense is not common anymore. Correct? But at any rate, getting back to this, um, birth pangs. Um, there are those pains labor pains prior to birth that are distinct and yet the, there's a gap, if you will, initially between them. And as you get closer to the birth, they're more intense and they get closer together. That's really exactly what Jesus is talking about as we approach these 2,000 plus years now. These things, let, and let's write them down. Uh, the first one he talks about is deception. Beware. I'm going to try to find one more of these. It's maybe not as worn out. <clears throat> Deception. Ooh, this is a good one. Presley didn't get this one yet. <laughs> or his accomplices. <laughs> After they ask the questions, he answers in verse 5. Are you there in Mark chapter 13? It says, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Uh, that has been going on. For all of these 2,000 years, and I think, again, it's picking up in the sense of frequency. That's what I want you to think about. And all of these things, these signs, these things that he's talking about that are coming, it's, it becomes more intense and closer together until you really hit the culmination. But take heed that lest you be deceived. Um, I have, in my, I'm 61 years old this year, and I have never seen more delusion or distraction from truth. The Internet has not helped that. Okay? The Internet has a lot of possibilities. In fact, I was, I was at, those of you who were here last week in Transworld Radio, uh, the sense of how impactful the Internet has been to those that are reaching back. Again, they can do that without having to go through person or a phone or whatever. They can get on the Internet and potentially reach out to Transworld Radio or someone else in getting the gospel, getting the truth. It is a fantastic instrument. But the sense of the separation of truth and error we are at an all-time high right now. I mean, I don't know where we're at, but it seems like those birth pangs are really close right now. They seem really close. We, we're, we're, we're literally, what is, what is it? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to them that say good is evil and evil is good. We've approached that. We're right there. We're living right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. Deception. Now, there's another one, and it's war. Let's, let's keep going. Let's see. I've got to go back a moment. Um, verse... Verse 7, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be not troubled, for such things must needs be, and the end shall not be yet. So there's a lot of talk about war. 
and I should have done a little more. I've done it in times past, but wars. There's a war going on right now. This moment, this right now there's a war, and you think of probably the Russian-Ukrainian war. That's probably one of many, many that are going on. Uh, the, the, the dissension and all of the struggles and all of that going on, it continues. It goes forward. It goes forward all of the time. Then he goes on and he talks about that there's going to be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are beginnings of sorrows. Devastation. Now, we actually, in this last week, devastation, better finish spelling, in Florida. And I haven't been paying attention the last 24 hours. Did it, did it, land, did it hit in South Carolina or where did it? Okay. With some vengeance, I'm, I'm certain again. I mean, that's a devastating storm. I want you to get in your mind when it says in various places it's like massive earthquakes, storms, all of these things that are with intensity, it's going to happen a lot of them at the same time. It's just almost reeling, if you will. It's not like, you know, for instance, now all of the eyes are on Tropical Storm Ian, right? Okay, if you can imagine this, as we get towards the end, there's going to be those hurricanes, there will be earthquakes, there will be disasters and devastation that was overpowering that was going to be happened simultaneously. Now, it almost seems like there's some sense of relief, right? And, and if you're in the hurricane uh, belt or the season, it seems relentless, doesn't it? If you have one of those seasons, it just comes and another one comes and it comes. Hopefully not another one like Ian. That was a beast. But if you get the idea again, think birth pangs. That's a really important, that's a really important tech, uh, uh, word that Jesus is using is it just intensifies and intensifies and intensifies in frequency and in intensity. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what, it, what it's going to do. Famines. Um, I, I can't, again, speak to the fact we are on the cusp of worldwide hunger right now in so many ways, so many ways. Uh, I'm still, the one thing that I still don't hear much about, um, which I'll just, and I, I'm not saying, again, this, this, this is not about me saying how close we are to the end times. I can just tell you we have not been there. It was not A.D. 70. It was not any other event prior to today. Those would be just precursors. When we get to the end, in fact, today we're going to unfold what really is the sign. This is the when. This is what they said. When is the sign of your coming? When is that sign? When is the beginning of the end, if you will? These are all things he's talking about, uh, deception and wars and devastation. Those are, those are beginnings. Those are things that are happening and they just pick up an in intensity. But he's going to actually give us a sign a point, an event that literally would say, this is the beginning now of the end. Okay, We're going to get there today. It's pretty cool. But this isn't it right now. Not yet. Uh, oh, I know. I know. I got... Uh, if you think about... I, I don't know how much... Nobody talks about it. How much food is not being raised in the Ukraine? It's huge. If you do your, if you do your, do some research, if there's a nation in Europe, particularly that I would not want to be going with a crop failure, it's the Ukraine. That is the breadbasket. And to my knowledge, there's no way infrastructure-wise, because when that war took place, and I don't know enough about it. If you notice, there's not much about it anymore. What else are they doing? <laughs> the point is this: at the timing of when that started and where we are today. The crop has got to be, if any was put in, a minuscule amount will be harvested. That's a fact. And if you take that out of the mix of what the world needs, and how many billion people do we have? 
seven something, right? It is going to cause some severe issues. But as you get into the tribulation period, which we'll look at Revelation for a moment, that's from chapter 6 to chapter 19, you talk about intensity. Literally, as you get in the latter part of the sign that will be unfolded, that there will be a third of the trees that are gone, a third of the sea, a third of... You talk about loss of production. You will see famine at an all-time level that we've never seen. I'm not talking about an African drought. I'm not talking about a million people that are affected. I'm talking about the entire world's population. And there will be people, massive amounts of people will, will perish from famine alone. That's part of the devastation that Jesus is talking about. Mary, I was wondering if this is Jesus referring this prior to the rapture or prior to the period of the, of the, of the tribulation? He, and I get, I, all, now, by the way, all of these things, we, let's see, we should, the, these three we've mentioned so far, um, have we had those in your lifetime? Yes. Yeah. And they'll continue forward, okay? Um, they will pick up an intensity using, again, the, the picture, the word picture that Jesus is using, that it will be like birth pains, like labor pains of, of a woman, okay? Um, and the more intense they come, the closer you are to the end, but no signs of that. None of these would give indication that the end is close. None of, none of those. It's just a sense of frequency because what you're wanting to find out, well, well, when is the end? I mean, these things are happening now. These were happening when Jesus was here. When he gave these things, it was like, well, yeah, there's been, you know, false messiahs and there's been earthquakes and there's been wars, right? Well, in fact, they're engaged in really a conflict between them and Rome. I mean, and they, they would like to have one more war, one more, so we wipe out the Romans, right? That's what they want. But literally, all of these things were happening. As it picks up its intensity... We, okay, that's cool. We see more and more of that. We, do, we see that today. Does that mean it's the end? No, it's not. In fact, the sign that's literally given to us, and you asked about the sense of it's a rapture or the second coming. The question they asked, they would have no idea about what we call the rapture, the catching away. Now, that word is not in the scriptures. A lot of people do not believe that the rapture is actually a real event. Okay? But there's, and we can't get into that right now. But it, essentially, that catching away thought is in Thessalonians. There's no question about it being there, being taken out if you will. If you go in chapters 6 through 19 of Revelation, there's something that's missing. The church. They're not there. You'll find the church, chapters 2 and 3, talk a lot about the church in Revelations. A lot of Revelation. I'm sorry, it's not plural. Revelation. There are a lot talked about those seven churches, right? It's depicting of errors and things that they could be, um, should we say, built up over. You get to chapter 4, guess what? You do not have another word about the church until you get all the way to the end, literally, at Jesus' second coming, which we, those that have been raptured, will be coming with him. So this actually has nothing to do with the rapture itself, these signs. doesn't tell us anything. In fact, honestly, there is nothing that I can tell you has to be accomplished for the rapture to happen. We're right there. We're right there. Can be right there. Could be another thousand years. I don't know because Second Peter chapter three. I think we read that a couple weeks ago. Uh, to the Lord, a thousand years is as a day; a day is as a thousand years. To Him, there's two things we know for sure. He's not bound by time. Secondarily, there's no one in this room. There's no one in this world. There's no one anywhere, anywhere that will know when Jesus Christ comes. That it's not going to happen. No one knows when the rapture is going to happen. They don't know. If they pick a date, I will guarantee you that day will not be the day. 
Because that's how God, God said. In fact, Jesus, think of this for a moment. Jesus in his pure, sinless, physical life on this earth was actually removed from his attributes of godness, God, godness that he in his physical life didn't even know the day. He says, I don't. The son doesn't know the day or the hour. It's not for us to know. It is not for us to know. We need to stop knowing that, trying to know that. I want to, be, I want to, I want to know what's going on, and I want to know what's coming. But for me to take time wasted to talk about when it happens is totally, that's, that, it's almost sinful. Because Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. But the second coming, he's giving signs. So this is not about the rapture. It's about the second coming. Because literally the second coming is in encapsulated those that are caught up that are taken out in the rapture they come back with jesus christ the second time first time he comes as savior the second time he comes as king and judge judge and king It is before. The second coming is before the, before the thousand-year reign. In fact, as he comes, there's a judging of the nations. It's in Matthew chapter 25. There will be the goat nations, the sheep nations. There will be those that will still be living, which I can't imagine how you can go through seven years of that literal. <laughs> right? I don't know what perception is of what hell is, but that's as close to hell on earth as I can possibly get my arms wrapped around and to, to, to do, I'm going to tell you what, and if you're having trouble being a Christian now, whoof, whoof, <laughs> it will be a different place. But at any rate, at the end of that, there will be people that will be living. There will those that will still have, in fact, have you noticed how direct the message was for Jesus? Once you have this sign, there's no more time to witness there's no more time. They're not telling you that the Holy Spirit. No, you need to run for the hills. Get away. This is the end of the end. Is this after the rapture? I mean, I mean, I mean the, the tribulation? During the tribulation. The tribulation. Mm -hmm. so, the, yeah. so the second coming is saying is seven years after the rapture. Is that what we're saying or? We, we're going to say this. The tribulation period is seven years. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, it says that the opening or the, the beginning of the tribulation is when the Antichrist makes a peace treaty with the Jews. That's the beginning. Now, what date? That may even be hard to find. I mean, I don't know when that day starts, but my impression of it is, is before the Antichrist is literally in power, literally, I mean, where he's, he's engaged now. And at that point where he is making a, a peace treaty with Israel, with, with Israel, He's pretty much in charge. Now, he's going to do it very peacefully. In fact, in chapter 6, let's look at this for a moment. I can tell we're not going to follow any outline, which is great. It's fantastic. Let's go to Revelation for a moment, and let's go to chapter 6. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but in chapter 6 of Revelation, it describes the first seal. And let's talk about that for just a second. Paul, remind me, that what, what, did you, what were we looking for? We were looking for... Initially, was, uh, were these signs... Remember, peace treaty. How about that? You do that, okay? So as you, as, you, as you walk through Revelation, in a summary, you're going to have basically three sets of judgments. And the first one are the seals, correct? Okay, you have the sealed judgments. Um, and there's how many? There's seven, right? There's seven of all of these. 
Now, the seal judgment, it's almost like a telescope. You know, if, if you have a, you know, a telescope, remember how they, it pulls out and you go to another section, another section, and, and the clarity actually improves the, in the distance. It becomes clearer as you telescope out, okay? So if you think about it, we, have, we start in chapter 6. That's where we're going to want to come back to. But in chapter 6, the first seal is broken. We go through six seals and we open the seventh seal and there's actually silence in heaven, it says, for half an hour. But what happens in the seventh seal is then we have the second set of judgments, and that is the trumpet, trumpets, judgments. And how many of those are? There's seven. And these, these angels are blowing the trumpet judgments, if you will. And at the very seventh one of those, we have what is called the bowl judgments. Now that, I believe, is at the very, toward the, certainly the last half of the tribulation period. Very, very intense. It's just like one after another. I mean, just boom, boom. And you talk about labor pains. The devastation that will take place in the bold judgments are beyond what I can even describe for you. I, I couldn't even possibly do it for you. At the end of that seventh bolt, which is part of the seventh trumpet, which is part of the seventh seal, do you see it's all like this telescope? It's all part of the same, but it telescopes out until you finally all of those things are unfolded. And then the end. Okay, that's what, that's what Revelation's about. Now, let's go at the beginning of the first seal. We'll find it in uh, Revelation chapter 6. And as soon as I find my glasses, which I don't have them there. Oh, there they are. Okay. Chapter 6, Revelation. And let's take a look at verse 1. I, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now, actually, what's really cool is if you go back, if you go back to chapter 5, it describes the only one that is capable or worthy, that's the word used, that's worthy to open the seals. Why? Because let's go back to will and testament. To actually receive what is Jesus Christ's, that is the inheritance of the earth, which is now completely gone awry, sinful. I mean, from the time that Adam and Eve sinned to this point, it is as bad as you could possibly make it. And he's the only one worthy to receive the earth back. It's the title and deed to the earth. The first seal then, watch, is it's, un, it's, it's unbroken. The lamb opened it, and it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow and arrows. Is somebody going to stop me? Whoa. Exactly. Did you see now, did you see how we're, what do you get a kid for, for no, you probably don't do it anymore, right? Bow and arrows. Who just buys him a bow? A very, a very wise parent. <laughs> right? Right? A bow without an arrow is what? It's useless. Correct? Excuse, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's right. It's a one-string harp, right? And you know what? That's exactly how the Antichrist will come in peace. A bow without any arrows is what? It's peaceful. There's intent. But this is really how he shows up. He's, oh, guys. Hey, guys, I know you've really, you know, let's just look back. Your history. You just have not been able to get what you've wanted. I mean, you've had so much conflict from the Arabs, from the Russians. <clears throat> I'm here to help you. I literally can help the entire world, but I'm really interested in your situation. You've been maligned for literally thousands of years. And I know you've wanted a temple. And I know you wanted to worship your God. And I'm here to say, you are going to have peace under me. Doesn't that sound rosy? That's exactly what the first seal is. He takes control, I'm going to say passively or peacefully. 
That literally is the beginning of the tribulation, if you will, right there. That's as, as, as Revelation decides it. Now, again, we know this. If you go through Revelation, where, where is the church in chapter 6? It's absent. Chapter 6 through 19, you will not find one reference to the church. Now, you will find those that are martyred, those that are, I'm going to say, Christians that have trusted God that are paying for their... I mean, we will move out of the age of grace. When you get to the tribulation, oh, whoa, right? So the church is gone, I believe, at the beginning of the tribulation. That's what I believe Scripture teaches, okay? Now, did you have a follow-up to that? Well, no, I just was... And then at the end of seven years of the period of tribulation... Okay, okay. Is that the time of the second coming? Yes, at the end of the tribulation... What marks the end of the tribulation is the battle of Armageddon. And then Jesus returns with the saints. He judges the nations. Those, what I mean by that is those that will go into the millennium. Now, keep in mind, you don't get into the millennium because you're a Christian, necessarily. Or yes, you do, don't you? That's the only way you could get there. Because if you've taken the mark of the beast, it's over. Okay. So won't that, those people know in the tribulation that become Christian? Won't they know in the second coming? You know what I mean? If it's a seven-year period, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be close because Jesus gives them the same sign as He gave to us and as He gave to the disciples. Let's finish. Let, hold that thought again. Let's finish. There's 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 a couple more here that we want to talk about that are signs. One of them is persecution. Okay. Persecution. Now, is that going on today? Absolutely. Now, a more intense where you have uh, Muslim influence, where you have influence of false religions, right? That don't want to show any quote. Uh, what's the right word? Not, uh, oh, shoot. There's bias and there's... Uh, what are we as Christians supposed to be? We're supposed to be tolerant. There we go. That are very intolerant of Christianity. It took me a while to get it. I hate that word, actually, because it's what it means. If you're tolerant, it means you have to agree with them, right? That's what tolerance means today. Okay, so we have persecution, and then I have one more, I think. Let me look at my notes. Um, oh, yeah, that, this, this one here. Let's, let's go back to uh, hold your place. I don't care where you hold your place. Go to John chapter 8, because I don't even know where I'm at. John chapter 8, and let's look at verse 31. John 8, 31. Eight thirty-one. Now we're diving in. I, Jesus is, is teaching, obviously. He said to those Jews which believed on him, verse 31, John chapter 8, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now what's actually happening, if you go back to, and then, let's go back to Mark then for a moment. You will find, in fact, that there are, that there are def, there's defection. There's those that say that they're saved, that say they're a Christian, and they literally leave. They leave the faith. That's defection. Now, how do we know that they literally were false? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, it says, they went out from us because they were never of us. Now, there's a lot of professing Christians today that are not Christians. It's just convenience. I'm going to tell you something. If you're in the tribulation, there's no convenience to being a Christian. In fact, at the very, as these things start to accelerate, I should write down defection as number five. Defection. You will find out who really is yours. And I, as I've likened in Russia, 
uh, communist Russia previously, maybe more so even than today, um, there would be the, uh, the Russian police, KGB, would, would, you know, they were on the lookout for what we would call underground churches. Those that were meeting, like we're meeting today. Now, you drove up, you were not accosted, you were not persecuted. You got out of your, door, out of your car and you walked in this door and there were not policemen in here trying to shoot you because you were here because you were going to praise God. You were going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is a blessing that we, when's the last time you thank God for that? You can't even do it often enough, honestly. I mean, what, I mean we're praising God openly today. It's fantastic. If you were in Russia or communist China or we could go to a Muslim country, that's not the way it is. In fact, you would have to come. I don't know how they do it, but I'm just thinking. Alphabetically, uh, the A's today, quite honestly, you will have to come like four hours early to service because you can't all arrive at the same time. That's like a, uh-oh, they're doing something over there. But if the first came in like four hours early, there was another couple that just kind of staggered. And you'd be on a staggered assembly. And then there were those that would be like me, late. Right? But we're all together now, right? And now it's still under quiet. It's probably just like the apostles are behind locked door and dark, right? You were praising. Now, by the way, you can praise and worship God anywhere. Isn't that cool? Anywhere. Doesn't have to be in the right place. Doesn't have to be in the right church. Doesn't have to be in the right building. You can worship Him anywhere. But when we collectively, as it says in um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 20, forsake not the assembling together of one another, especially in times like these. We need to be together because this is how we get encouragement. This is how we use the Word of God. This is how literally the Holy Spirit brings us together in some sense of encouragement, right? So as we're doing that. But this would be like that. <clears throat> so we're all gathered up. And boom, the door just barges in and there's two KGB guys. And they got their guns. And they say, you have, you have literally right now five seconds to leave because we're going to shoot the rest of you that say that you're Christians. You know what happens? Those that were on the fence, those will leave. In fact, there is a true story in regards to that. I may be told, maybe I haven't. It was much like that. They lined them up in the wall, and they said, whoever wants to live, leave now. And after they left, they said, one more time, we are going to shoot everyone that's left for trusting your God. A few more kind of. And then they said, we had to be sure before we told you that we're Christians as well. See, that's the true belief. That's the true belief. It's right down to the sense of life and death. There will be a lot of that, be a lot of defection. So these are things literally that are going on today. They're going to continue to go on. The level of the acceleration will continue to just go and go and go and go. Okay, Paul, now, what did you have? Did you say something? But I want to come back to something. What was it? Tribulation? Maybe not. How are we doing? Well, well, it's, it's, what more in mind of this will we see? What you just warning? Oh, okay. Okay, I see where you're going. How much? How much of this will we see? I mean, you're seeing all of this now. Okay. But is this? Is any one of these the signs of his coming? The second coming? No. No. It did not happen in AD seventy. It did not, even if we go to, to uh, Daniel chapter 9, which was something they would have lived through, in 167 B.C. there was a man by a really weird guy, Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a mean, evil little dude. And he tried to, now, oh, I'm almost giving it away, because I've got, I've got Paul on the ropes, because he does <laughs> not know what this sign is. This is literally the one sign that Jesus said, and he's answering a question. This is the longest answered question Jesus ever gave in all of the, in all of the Gospels. 
And all they wanted to know was, when is that going to happen, when all of the, the temple's going to be destroyed, and what is the sign of your coming? That's the two things they've asked, right? And he finally tells them. And we're going to learn together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's kind of review from two weeks ago. So let's go forward now, and let's go to Mark chapter 13. And we'll read verse 13. Actually, verse 12, let's just back up in the sense of all of the, the in, I, what I would just say, the defection. Now, the brother shall betray the brother to death, the father of the son. The children shall rise up against their parents, shall cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Again, I want to come back to that for just a moment. Or again, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, there's those that believe that I have got to endure. If I endure, then I will be saved. Now, that's the wrong way to look at that. It doesn't say if. It says those that endure. How do you endure? You're saved. The saved will endure. See the difference? In other words, it's not up to me to endure so that I'm saved. In other words, it's up to me. I'm going to endure. I'm gonna, I'm, I just got to do the right thing. I got to endure. No, no, no. The saved will endure. They will endure to the end because they are saved. It's the Holy Spirit giving the power within them to literally Anything that comes at you. And I, I would say, all of you in this room probably would not raise your hand and say, boy, I hope that I am persecuted. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? That's just really weird. But you know what? If that opportunity comes, that is, and that's a word that came out of my mouth, opportunity to be persecuted, it's the Holy Spirit that will give you the strength to get through that. Just like Daniel. Do you think he wanted to go on that morning as he went and did what he did every other morning? He went and prayed before his God, even knowing that the penalty of that was the fact that he would be thrown into the den of lions. I'm sure he didn't wake up. Lord God, I hope that I get to be thrown to the lions today. That's my goal. <laughs> but you know what? He went into the den of lions, but his goal was what? To worship God. And because he worshiped God, the lions meant nothing really to him. The Holy Spirit takes over. That's a very important thing for us to get. Because there's a lot of people that believe that it's up to me, up to my endurance to be able to get through it. No, no, no. You'll never get through it. There's no way. You can't possibly get You can't even understand the level of the tribulation. But those that come through, and a lot of them will be martyred as well. But the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do that. As the world becomes worse and worse, in verse 14, he has, now mark this, it's in your, it should be in all of your Bibles. But when, he's answering a question now. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation, the abomination of desolation, when you see that, that is the beginning of the very end. So now what is the abomination of desolation? Have we seen that before? Excuse me? He would have been close. Yeah, it would have been almost like a picture of it. In fact, I'm not sure that Daniel's... In fact, let's, let's go to Daniel next. We need to go there for a moment. Daniel chapter 9. Let's go there for a moment. Daniel chapter 9. And there's some other things we need to write down here as this unfolds. Let's see. I think I can erase this. <clears throat> Daniel is really what prophecy is. If, if you don't have Daniel, you're, everything else is going to be blurred. It's just going to be completely blurred. But in Daniel, there's, there's, a, there's a prophecy called the 70 weeks, okay? As you're thinking about that, 
Let's go to Daniel chapter 9, and let's read verse, we'll start in verse 24. Now again, here's the other thing. Now we'll read it, and then we'll come back to it. Seventy weeks, verse 24, are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. That sounds like the full package. This will be the end of the end. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to, and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. That's interesting. If you, how many weeks is that total? There's actually a week of rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple are reestablished. So you have seven weeks. Now, here's what you also have to know is a week is seven years. Okay? A week is seven years. So for seven weeks, and if you, now you don't know this probably, but in 445 B.C. was the beginning of that. There was a man that said, king, Artaxerxes, said, you need to go back to your homeland. On that day that he decreed that, that day literally began the 70 weeks of unfolding. Now, why were they actually in captivity for the period of time they were? Because they had committed idolatry, literally. And they had also not kept the Sabbath for like a really long time, like 70 years worth of Sabbaths. But at the very end of that, they, were, they could return back to the land, and it was done in 445 B.C. Now, there's another, if you, if you add this up, there's another 62 weeks. Did you see it? It said 7 and 62 weeks. If you do the math on that, a year being 360 days in a Jewish calendar, at the end of that, that is the day on Monday. That day that he was crowned king is the day that the 69 weeks were complete. That's crazy. So the apostles actually would would have known something here because let's keep reading. Let's keep reading in Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. We'll read verse 25 once more for you. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, 445 B.C., to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, sixty Nine weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times, and after threescore and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be of a flood, and the end of war desolations are determined. Whoa, there's a lot going on in there, okay? At the end of the 69 weeks, literally, Jesus Christ is crucified. He's come in as king, and in four, one more day from this day, literally one full day, and he's going to be betrayed and crucified. This very day Jesus is saying this prophecy. He's pointing back to the prophecy in Daniel. But the, where's the other week? How do you get to the 70th week? What is it about the 70th week? He actually tells us. Now, he didn't tell us because Daniel couldn't see it. He couldn't see this massive gap of a parenthesis in between 69 and 70. Because the Jews rejected him. Remember Jesus said, we talked about it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, if you would, I would as a mother hen have gathered you as chicks. But you would not. So you will not see me until the coming. 
Now, if you do that, let's go on and see what happens. Verse 27, this is the verse we wanted to get to. And he, this is the Antichrist, the people of the prince, that's he, the one that shall destroy the city. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's your last week. Did you see it? One week. When does that happen? When does he confirm that covenant? That's why, Paul, what happens literally is the fact that the Antichrist will make a covenant with the Jews for seven years. That's the tribulation period. Matches up perfectly. What has been from the time that Jesus Christ was crucified to today and beyond until that covenant begins is an interim. It's a parenthesis. It's 2,000 plus years. That week, that last 70th week, that literally is the culmination where sin is finally judged and taken out, happens in the tribulation period. That seven-year period that all of the, the things that are erased now, that Jesus is talking about with his disciples, you know what, these are things that are going to happen. But when you see the abomination of desolation, remember it? Back in Mark chapter 13, that's the beginning of the end. That's the sign you're asking for. Let's go to verse 27. No, no. You don't want to be here to see that. Exactly. But if you're a Christian and you've trusted Christ as Savior, you will not be here. I'm convinced the Bible, the New Testament particularly, teaches that. It's, it, you're not going to be here. There's a, there's a sense of the sense of, of uh, resisting sin, the restraining of sin. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it talks about removing that restraint. What is that? Holy the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit, where is He most active today? In Christians. In Christians. If you trusted Christ as, as, as Savior, you are it, He is inside you from that moment going forward. Think of that. As the church is being taken out, guess who goes with? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. The restrainer will be removed. That, I can't imagine how terrible that will be. And yet, we'll get into it in a moment, the gospel is still universally stated through three different modes. We'll talk about it in a moment. As we get to, um, let's see, let's go to verse 27 of Daniel, we're still there, chapter 9. He, the Antichrist, will con shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, for seven years, and in the midst, in the middle of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Did you see it? Abomination of desolation. What is that? What is that? Well, if you would go to Revelation chapter 13, and I'm, I'm digging too deep now. We've just got to, I've just, I've got to keep moving, if you will. If you go to chapter, write these, you can write these things down. Do your own study. Chapter 13 of Revelation, you'll find a description of the Antichrist. You will find that literally at the end, in this abomination of desolation, he will end the temple that has been rebuilt. There will be a rebuilt temple. Currently, the Jews do not have a temple. They do not have a worship, a sacrificial system that they incredibly desire. It's not there. But the, when the Antichrist makes a pact or a treaty with them for the last week of the 70 weeks of Daniel, that seven years begins when he gives them the opportunity to rebuild their temple. But in the middle of that week, three and a half years in, you know what he does? He stops the sacrifice. He stops the worship of God. And he puts his own living statue in place as being worshipped. Now, Jerry had pointed out there's been something similar to this, and it was when Antiochus Epiphanes in 167 B.C. brought in a pig, a hog, into the temple, slit its throat, splattered pig blood all over the temple, and then actually took raw pork and put it down the priest's mouth just to make a statement. But what he didn't do is he put up a statue of Zeus within the temple. But no one has ever done what's described at Jesus because the word 
abomination would be, I mean, as distasteful, as blasphemous as possible. What would be that? To worship another god. And in this case, it would actually be Satan himself. Because you have the Antichrist who is really Satan incarnate. He is demanding worship from God's holy people. That is the sign that Jesus says, when you see that, run for the hills. It's over. The last three and a half years on this earth, in the tribulation period, I have no way to describe it. The Bible, you know, John does it in you know, the last chapters of, uh, of Revelation. It's horrifying. But that's the sign. That's what the disciples wanted. Now look at this for a moment. This should have been, uh, okay, let's go back to Mark. I think we'll find it in Mark. If not, we'll find it in Matthew. Yeah, let's go to Matthew for a moment. No, 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 it's right there. It's right in front of us. Mark chapter 13, verse 14. Okay, let's watch this. Now, who's he speaking to? This, he's speaking to, duh, the disciples, right? That's who he's, he's on the Mount of Olives. It's this, it's this evening twilight uh, learning with Jesus, right? It's the last session they've got. What's he talking about? He's talking about future things. They want to know about it. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's why we went back to Daniel, standing where it ought not to see. Now stop for a, stop for a moment. They would have known that terminology, the, death, the, the abomination of desolation. Those apostles would have known what that meant. In fact, if they're living, they were actually would have heard about Antiochus Epiphanes, which had done this thing in the temple. If you go to Maccabees chapter 1, which I don't have that in my Bible because it's not inspired scripture. You could go to a Catholic Bible. You could go to others that would have Maccabees. And it's, it's information. It's literature. They describe for you more in detail of what Antiochus Epiphanes did in Maccabees 1. But nonetheless, so here you are. They've seen that. They've heard of that. I don't know they still knew what that meant exactly. But watch this. The next words that are there. They're not. If you have red letter print, it is not in red letter. It says, when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not. In other words, this, this statue to be worshipped in the temple. Now look at this. Let him that readeth understand. I don't know how many times I've skipped over that. I, not skipped over, but I just say, huh, what is he saying? Literally, Mark would have written, the, written those words down. Let him that readeth understand. This was not words that the disciples would know. This is not an event they would know. It would be to that person that is reading these words. That's to us today. Have you seen uh, the events that are taking place? It's clearer than ever that we are hurtling towards the end. We are moving at a rapid rate of pace. No question about it. The disciples, they wouldn't have had these instructions for them to have seen it. It's literally for those that would have read this. Mark would have written in probably, they say the 50s or 60s, just prior to A.D. 70. The disciples, when did they have this conversation with Jesus? It was before he was crucified in 30 A.D. So literally, this sign, the disciples thought it was going to happen in a couple weeks. Mark is saying when he wrote it, he said, let the reader understand. This isn't to the disciples, this sign. They're not going to see it. But for us and for those that are reading it in the tribulation, because God's word will never be vanquished. It will never leave. It will always be for eternity. There will be those that will be saved because they'll take this same word of God They'll read these very same words out of Matthew 24, 25, Revelation, all of those things, and it will never have made more sense to them than right there they're seeing this unfold. Are we in the tribulation today? I do not believe that. There are a lot of things. There's some that say the Euphrates River is dried up, that that's a sign that we're in the tribulation. No. The Euphrates River will dry up because it will make way for the 200 million man army that's going to go across it. I do not see that happening. 
We're so far away from that in the sense of staging. We haven't got the accelerated birth pangs of that yet. But there's, there, there's this thing. But you see what's happening, though? Let the reader understand. As you start to pick things out that didn't even make any sense. 666, technologically, we're so far beyond that now. When I was a kid growing up, which has been a few years back, 666, you only you think it was a tattoo, right? And Oh, we're beyond that. It could be many, many ways of doing that. And you know what? I could sell it today. You know, if you have your individual identification that is sanctioned by the one world government so that no one can steal your identity, so that you literally have all of the things that you really deserve to have because they're yours and no one else can ever take them, it, does that not? That's game on. That's game on. As I listen to the Gacera and the Sera, which is a, a, a brand new financial system, the, the the, the quantum financial system, QFS, you may or may not know about that, but there's, there's thoughts of, you know, if we could just really get to the bottom of this and get all of the bums and, the, and all of that out of it, but if we could have a new system and everybody have their debts forgiven and we'd start all over, I would want to read the fine print. What are we giving up? Who's in charge? Who's behind it? I would caution you today going forward in any sense of the word, would it even sound good? Read the fine print. Oof, I'm way off on my, I, this is not anywhere in my notes. All right, any other questions? Oof, you're in the, you're in the headlights, look, man. <laughs> All right, that's not bad, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, let's go, Paul, how, how have we done? Did you get kind of, okay. Because this has, this has nothing to do with signs for the rapture. Make sure you understand that. Nothing in the world to do. In fact, the, desolate, the one sign he gives, this, from this point on now, this is literally, we move to the end very quickly. It takes three and a half years because that's at the midpoint, the, de the abomination of desolation. But from that point on, it gets horrible, horrible. But you know what? Oh, I know where I was going to go. How do people, as we, as we think about it, how does someone get saved in the tribulation? How in the world... You trust Christ. You trust God. You gotta take his mark. By not taking, that's exactly true. If you take the mark, the scripture is very clear. That's why I say read the fine print. There's a lot of things reported as being really good. And here, here's, I, I, I'm going to keep saying this because it's, it's, it just seems like this is something that's just pressing on me now. Is we know the evil, the darkness. There's a lot of words that can be used to that. There's the destructive forces of Satan. You know, when you say darkness... And you think of all of those, you know, the international bankers. You think of the cabal. You think of these terms that defy, that describing all of this insanely destructive behaviors within political circles, within everything, against mankind. That's easy for us, right? But what we forget, it's easy to forget. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. He's still Satan. He's still diabolical. He's still a dirty rat. How much stuff looks like light, but isn't really light. That's where we're at in this time right now. This level of understanding what's right and what's wrong is of utmost importance. He will use every imaginable way. That's why religion, at the end, the false religion, that's why it's popular. People think they're reaching out to God, you know, reaching out to Satan. There are cults today that people are worshiping who they think is God. They're worshiping Satan. A cult that says that Jesus Christ is the half-brother of, of, of Lucifer. That's satanic. 
And you see, that goes on and on and on and on. But let's go back. How does one get saved? Where are we at? There's no Christians around. Again, there's a, there's a, there's a flush. They're gone. <laughs> now, I will say what? A family of which I'm just making this up now. You have a husband, wife, three kids. And I don't know why I'm going to choose, but the husband comes home, and there's nobody home. The Holy Spirit has gone too, right? Yeah, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't move around, but he does it in a different mode. It's no longer. See, our job when we're here is, is to really preach the gospel. That's, well, that, that, was the, that was the one command that Jesus said. Don't worry about the kingdom. That's the only, what, are we in the kingdom? No, no, no. You go out and make disciples and teach them. That's what your job is. That's what our job is. The Holy Spirit makes it, and that's what makes it possible because it's not because of us. It's because of whose we are. But now we're gone. That husband that comes home, Honey, where are you? But they should be home. Where are they at? Well, they'll be home in a bit. They don't come home. Now, what do you think is going through that man's mind? Where's that Bible? Where's that Bible? It's amazing how you look for truth when you really, really need it. Where's that Bible? Where's that Bible? And you know what? The Bibles aren't going to go with. The truth will stay here. And I can't imagine how interested that man will be in that Bible on that day. Okay? That starts it. Okay? But his wife, the children, and this is a, fic- this is a fictional, I mean, I'm making this up, but it's, it's going to happen. What I'm, I'm wondering about planes, and the pilot's a Christian. Right? That's a mess. That's a mess. <laughs> Unless you're on the plane and you're a Christian, right? But the pilot's a Christian and there's a lot of not. That's a mess. <laughs> but take, let's take a look at your Bibles and let's go to there's at least, let's see if I can find it in my notes here. Let's first of all start in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7. Now, in, in, in actually, in chapter 6, it unfolds six of those seals, as we got on the board there. Six seals are unfolded. And then there's like this interlude, this is like a parenthesis. In verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1, it goes on to describe for us what is the 144,000 Jews. Verse 1, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the, sea, the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. They were sealed 144,000, all of the tribes of the children of Israel. So that's the first thing that's going to happen is the fact that 144,000 evangelists will be canvassing, you know, particularly Israel, the Middle East, but everywhere, honestly. I mean, and a communication that we have at that point will be, that's why another reason, never before have we been able to take the gospel message and and literally transfer it or broadcast it like we've ever been able to do right now. The internet is literally just a second away from anywhere in the world on a good day. You've got those slow internet days? <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. What's that? That's right. There's two witnesses. Two witnesses. So let's go to chapter 11. And as Ernie led, leads us into that, chapter 11 of Revelation. Let's go there. 
chapter 11. Oops, I'm in 9. Got to get to 11. There we go. There was given me, chapter 1, verse 11, Revelation, there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for forty and two months. That coincides with what Daniel said. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. So are these two prophets, these two witnesses that literally canvass the world. Now, they will actually be killed. They will be killed by the Antichrist. But they will literally make the gospel really, really relevant. They will bring it to a level of which people will see and hear about God in a very tumultuous time. Then go over to Revelation chapter 14, and let's take a look at this. Now, in the first five verses, it talks again about the 144,000. But let's watch this in verse 6. This is literally the last, what I would say, the evangelization potential for the entire world. This is canvassing the globe. Verse 6, chapter 14. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Every saying with a, loud, with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. In other words, the days of man are finished. Verse 7, that is pretty much exactly the deal, which would fly in the face of most. But take a look at verse 9. Then the third angel followed me, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now right there is the absolute distinguishing climax and line of demarcation between you need to fear God and worship Him, and if you take the mark of the beast, you are bound for hell. And that's proclaimed by who? Angels. By an angel that will appear, and literally the whole world will know that message. That's the last one. Now, going back to Mark, did you notice something that's changed after the, abom the, desolation, I'm sorry, the abomination of desolation? Let's go back to Mark chapter 13. It's a whole different mindset. Now, in the first 13 verses, it talked about the Holy Spirit will be with you. There's going to be parent against, parent against children, children against parents. You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. But don't worry about it because I'm going to the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to speak. Verse 11. But, verse 14, but when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where thou not, let him that readeth understandeth. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop not go down to the house, neither enter there and take anything out of the house. Get out of there. Let him that is in the field that not turn back again for to take of his garment. Move now, but woe to them that are with child, to them that give suck in those, because they'll be slower. And pray that you're in your flight, be not in the winter. 
For in those days shall be affliction such as not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or Lo, here he is here, believe him not. For false Christ, false prophet shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders, seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take you heed, behold, I have foretold you all these things. There's something very different. If you have trusted Christ, you, that angel, let's say that angel came across. Let's say that man that came home and he's read the Bible. He knows it's right. Now it's been laid out clearly. An angel says, if you, want, if you take the mark of the beast, you will be tormented forever. You fear God and worship him, taking the mark of the beast. It, it's going to be very clear. Now that man has a choice. If he trusts God, if he trusts God, he is told at that point. See, there's no more rapture. There's not a rapture in the tribulation. He's there for the duration or being martyred, one or the other. I guess he could die a natural death, but I'm, you understand what I'm saying. This is, this, is, this is intensity. When he sees... Excuse me? He cannot buy or sell without the mark. That, that's correct. So if you don't have it... That's correct. He can't buy groceries. That's correct. Now, there may be a network of underground believers because they came to the same conclusion. He's not going to be the only one in the world, right? I'm using my fictional family, right? But you talk about difficult. And it doesn't say to hang around and witness anymore. It doesn't say to hang around and, you know, if, you get, if you're drug into court, remember what it said in the first 13 verses? It's like the Holy Spirit will give you words. No, 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 no. This point now is get and hide. It will get as bad as you could possibly imagine to the very end, to the coming of Jesus Christ, which we're going to talk, we'll get into that next. Literally now, when Jesus Christ comes back, this lasts three and a half years, but the sign is what? The abomination of desolation. That's what Jesus said. When you see that, now who's he speaking to primarily? Not to Gentiles, he's speaking to Jews. He's speaking to the disciples. This is still of Jewish sequencing. This is still, this isn't as much church as it is about the Jews, because this is the nation that God has chosen out of there. Now, the other thing, if you go to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8, it talks about something else that's going to happen. The Jews, the remnant, you talk about the Jews. Today, there's Messianic Jews. There are those that have trusted Christ's sake. Very, very small. I don't know what the percentage is. It's extraordinarily small. Literally, in the tribulation period itself, you know God will wipe out two-thirds of those, because they will not trust God. In fact, it says even when they know he's God, they're still going to curse him. But one-third, one-third of those will be saved to be gone through to the very end. Whew. Yes? They would be just a small part of it. Excuse me? More than, more than likely, yeah. Because you're still saved by the Savior. The Savior is the one that died on the cross. Yeah. And that's the one that the Jews detest today. They have no use for Jesus. They do not see him as a Messiah. That Messiah and Jesus cannot go together in a Jew's mind unless they're a Messianic Jew, if they've trusted Christ. And all of the evidence is there. It's all there. That's what's really cool. But how many is that? I don't know. But it talks about in Romans chapter 11 that the remnant will be saved. Well, the key is it's not all Jews will be saved, but the remnant, those that literally God spares, that one-third is what it comes down to. One-third of the Jews will be saved. The other two-thirds will literally be taken to destruction. Does that mean that 
Those are the ones that would not take the mark of the beast, honestly. Yep. During the tribulation, correct. And I would even say this today, even for us or our families, is as things develop rather quickly, you can see what's gone on in the sense of spiritual bankruptcy. Is, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But be careful of things that are coming that sound good, that may have consequences. Read the fine print. What am I giving up? Right? Don't forget, Satan can be an angel of light. Okay, any other questions? We covered a lot of territory. Hopefully, just trying to look through my... Oh, let, let's, let's, take one, let's take one more passage. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And it's, now Paul is, these, these are Paul's words, obviously, that, that he's written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Same thing. Keep your eyes open. Beware. For that day shall not come except there coming a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the abomination of desolation. That right there is it. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know that with, with that, I'm sorry, and now that you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And if you think deception is easy now, you just wait until the Holy Spirit is removed. That restrainer, what is described for us here in the second one. I have no idea how anyone could possibly get that right, excepting the fact of what's happened. In particular. I'm just thinking of those families again. All of the things that that, and it could be the other way around. It could be the wife comes home. Oh, he was right. Where are they at? Did this really happen? Did it really make sense? See, those would be questions that there's no way that they're going to have. They'll have to have the Word of God to get the answers for that. And aren't you glad that the Bibles don't disappear? Aren't you glad we have a Bible today? That would be something we should thank God for this day. Thank you for the Word of God. Sure. Oh, oh, they'll have a spin. They'll have a spin. But when husband comes home, he's not going to buy the alien story. <laughs> but think of it. Actually, all of the extraterrestrials and all of that messaging that we have, even now today, that'll sell. Oh, you're absolutely right. There'll be a spin. They can spin anything. So. They'll want to explain everything but Christ. Yeah, everything but Christ. Anything's, anything's open except for Christ. Every once in a while, you'll hear people <clears throat> talk about things that are real small. They'll say, Right. They'll refer to that. That's right. That's right. That's right. I've I've had. That's right. That's right. It's it's become actually a phrase with particularly non Christians. They don't even know what they're saying, honestly. Something. Okay. It goes on in. Which chat were, were you at? What is it? Luke Luke seventeen. 
Let's, let's take the Matthew one. Let's go to Matthew. Okay, let's, so Matthew 24, and uh, which verse? Uh, 40 and 41. Okay. That's a great question. Do you guys want to know that? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Otherwise, I couldn't have told you. They had a agree. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Totally kidding. Totally. That is, and by the way, this is probably one of the most misunderstood passages right there. There's those that were grinding in the field, those who were walking, and one disappears and one's left. Okay? But think about what we're doing now. No, Matthew 24 and 25 are about the very same thing we're talking about in Mark and in Luke chapter 21. Parallel passages. What is it the disciples want to know? They don't want to know about the rapture? They have no clue what the rapture is. They've never even heard of it. What are they wanting to know? The sign of the second coming, right? Okay. So at the end of the second coming, we know this much, that there is going to be a judgment. There's going to be an end. There are going to be those that literally will be taken to destruction, to taken, and then there are those that will be taken into the millennial kingdom. That verse is 40 and 41 talks about the end after Jesus comes back, that literally there will be those that will go in separate directions. Not the rapture, but in the second, in the second coming. You'll, How do you get into the millennial kingdom? You'll resemble the rapture. That's yes, yes, it will. Because going into the... Now, the millennial kingdom... Uh, how do you get, what's the difference? The rapture happens before the tribulation. The tribulation is this block of seven years, okay? Before it, if you're a Christian, you will be saved, you are saved, and you are caught up and you go with Jesus Christ meeting him in the air. You come back at the second coming. But if you've lived through the tribulation, haven't survived, and notice again, we read today, if this hadn't been shortened, no one, no flesh would survive, right? Okay? So, but it is shortened. So there, there, there are those that do not die. Okay, all of those that have not died, that have come through the tribulation, go into the millennium. If you've taken the mark of the beast, you go the other way. It's a division. That is speaking of after the second coming. Okay, now, the millennium. Let's talk about that for a moment. Will there be children? Yes, yes, yes. All of those that physically entered into the millennium, they will have families. And it'll be pretty weird. I mean, it's for a thousand years and you don't really get old. You just, I mean, can't imagine that exactly. But you just go on. But there are those that are born in the millennium. They have to make a choice for Christ too. And that's the last excuse that I think that Jesus is going to, or God is going to take away. And that is this. You know, if I would have been, if I would have been raised on the other side of the tracks, if I would have some sense of a good mentor, if I would have been raised in a different environment, I'd tell you what, I could have found Jesus too if I'd have just been born in the right place. I'll tell you what, if you're living under Jesus Christ ruling and reigning for a thousand years, that excuse is now gone. The Bible goes on to say as well in, in the latter part of Revelation that literally at the end of the millennium, Satan will be released. And that's the cool part. You talk about the Holy Spirit was restrained in the tribulation. In the thousand years, guess who's restrained? Satan. He is, he's cooped up in a, in a bottomless pit. At the end of the thousand years, he released, and it says, in a very short time, like sand of the sea, the people follow after him. I struggle with that. How could you have Jesus for a thousand years? Because the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
It's the same problem we've had. It's the same biggest problem in 2022. It's the same problem it will be at the end of the millennium, which is obviously 1,007 years beyond where we're at today. It will be the same problem, sin, 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 sin. And they will immediately be taken off to, to, to hell, to destruction, the lake of fire. Correct. Flip, flip, flip Wilson. You guys, you you of yesteryear, remember him? The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. We did it all by ourselves. Now he wants you. He will. He will. He will not inhibit you, obviously. But we, the sin comes from within. It's a sin. Yeah, exactly. Even with Satan. Now, of course, um, I can't imagine how how pure would that government be? A theocracy with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning for a thousand years. Whoa, that should be easy to be that should be easy to be righteous, right? Inside. As soon as as soon as Satan is released, just like that, they're falling after him. Yes. So he will he will rule and reign with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So will we from the spirit or from the body? How would that work? Yeah, and I and I, excuse me? Yeah, we do. Once you're translated, does in the rap those that are and or those that are martyred, you know, in, in the tribulation, we receive a new body. Absolutely. I don't know what that looks like, but it's fine, for instance, going back to Jesus Christ for a moment, when, the, the, when, they, when he was present, they didn't know him all the time. In fact, rarely. Now, in, in some sense, those two, you know, they were walking on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion. I'm sorry, yeah, after the crucifixion and the burial. You know, they're just, you know, sloughing along, and, and they don't know anything about him until it, it was like he gave thanks for the food at this, where they arrived at the supper. And I'm convinced myself that they would have saw the, the nail prints in his hands, and it was like the lights went on, and then he was gone immediately. But even the disciples, they didn't know who he was. Remember at the lake, 100 yards, that was last week, we were 100 yards from him. I mean, they've lived with him for three years, for heaven's sakes, and they've seen him before. This is the first time, it was, tells us it was the third time he appeared to him, and they didn't know who he was. I don't know what that means. I'm not, not sure. But a new body, yeah, you'll be able to walk through doors. That didn't go over quite as well. Is he, what, do you mean, walk, what do you mean walk through doors? Who cares? Yeah, I, I, I can't. We can open it. And apparently you can eat as well. Jesus always partook of, of, of when he was with his disciples. He ate fish and bread at that time on, on when he was on the beach. On the, he prepared food for them. Yes. This is your new body. The one that doesn't wear out, doesn't get old, doesn't look tired, <laughs> doesn't hurt. All of, the, all of those things. Yeah, doesn't need, doesn't need surgery, doesn't have medical issues, right? It's like, whoa, right? Are all the children going to be taken up that have not reached the age of accountability? At the rapture? It would make good sense to me. Yeah, that's how I would see it. Because those, right now, if, if they die today, they're Christ's. To me, everything at, at the rapture, the catching away, it would be everyone at that split second, literally, that would be described as Christ. Well, who would that be? Anyone that does not know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. That, that's something I hadn't even actually considered. So you have a pregnant lady. She's eight and a half months pregnant at the rapture. That, it's the first time I've actually pondered that. Can you imagine that for the... If, if the, if, again, if, if, the, if, the, if the woman that's pregnant, if she's not a believer, I can't. I, <laughs> wow. Wow, that's a. Yeah. Because, again, I, I come back, and this is, this, is, this is all I line up is the fact that um, whatever is Christ's on that split second, 
He's taking hold. He's taking to meet him in the air. That's the way the term is. They shall meet in the air. And the dead shall rise first. What do they do? They get their new body. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. But I hadn't actually thought of that particular example, but it's got to be. It has to be. It's, it's his. It's his. Yeah. David, remember, that's, that's the greatest example of, of literally a child going to be with Jesus. He says, you know, he, he, and he was happy after the child died. And happy's not the right word, but he, he stopped. He, he just showered and went on with life. He said, what's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you be sad now? He said, well, I, I will go to him someday. His, his trust, his hope was all in the very same thing. The Savior is alive. The Savior is who we must come through. And that child is his right now before the age of accountability. Yep. Good questions. Wow. You know, it says that uh, during the millennium, Christ will reign in the heart of my enemies. So I think there will be sinners. Yeah. And they lose. I mean, they... I mean, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no legislation to whiffle. No, 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 no. This is, this is hardline, thousand years of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, there's going to be a resistance. There will be a resistance. Well, and see, this is the other thing, is Jesus came the first time with really as a soft savior, shall we say. I mean, he came to, to work on the... When he's king, he's in charge. You can see the next time he comes, you want to make sure he's, you're on his side. It's not for debate. So do you think that those of us who, are, who don't have the Jewish lineage have a lot to be thankful for that the king did not? Oh, absolutely. 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 No, we are blessed. We are blessed. You know, I, you look across the world's population... And because the Jews reject him, which God, would, God knew that, but that was what he used as, as, as a perfect opportunity for these 2,000 years. Aren't you glad that it wasn't just two days? And then he came back and had his kingdom, right? He could have. He said, you know, I'm going to give two days to the Gentiles. That wouldn't be us. Do you see? God knows exactly in eternity's values, every single person that will come to him will come to him. Not going to leave anybody behind, not going to have any of that, but we are blessed as Gentiles. You know, Jews, uh, there's no question. Well, that's why Peter had that sign. The Jews rejected, so now I'm going to start preaching to the Gentiles. Yep, that's right. That's Remember right. that suit? That's right. That's right. That's right. And he, and it was hard for him too, because see, that was against his Jewish land, you know, his customs, right? And when he, and God said, "What, what I say is pure, is pure for you." <laughs> in other words, traditions. I've taught on that one a lot. Tradition. See, in some churches, tradition has higher value. Than, than the Bible. Horrible, horrible idea. Horrible idea. And even for us personally, if we've got traditions that we really can't analyze and say that, well, we do that because of the Bible says this, if you can't use the Bible to define your, your tradition, lose the tradition. Get rid of it. It has no purpose. It needs to line up with the Word of God. So, good stuff. We've got a communion service yet, so. All right, anything else? I think I wore you out, probably. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Let's, uh, let's just uh, pause for prayer and thanksgiving for this portion. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, your love for us. And Father, if there's uh, anything that was said today that would not be accurate in any way, that it would quickly evaporate from our minds. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world. Thank you for the Holy Spirit indwelling those that have trusted Christ. 
Father, again, I can't imagine how difficult it will be for this time of the abomination of desolation. There will be those that are saved. There will be those that will obviously be martyred. There will be those that will live for you in a very, very difficult time. But Father, it's all because of you that we're even living at all. And as we've even pointed out in the last several minutes, how thankful we are as just believers in this age where Jesus Christ has ruled and reigned in our hearts, allowing us to see him as Savior. Father, we look forward to the time when we return to you, not even returning to you, when we go to you and return with you in the second coming. Wow. These are days that are forward. There's nothing to debate. It will happen. When? We don't know. But thank you for Jesus sharing in this passage today that those living during those tumultuous times will know that that is the end of, that is the beginning of the end, the appearing of the abomination of desolation. Father, grow us, use us where you want us this week. Help us in every way, shape, and form to be more like Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.